Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. Today is Wednesday, July 20th, 2016. Today I'm going to be doing an awful lot of fantasy football rankings. Uh, my most recent podcast was about the running backs. Today I'm doing wide receivers. Um, going down Matthew Berry's uh, top 20 ranked wide receivers that he has on ESPN.com. I pretty much go through them one by one. I also... Uh, pick out a few sleepers who I think are some pretty exciting picks, which you should really be uh, keeping an eye out for as you get ready for your fantasy football draft. This is something certainly I'm doing. I'm really, I'm getting psyched and I mean psyched for my fantasy football draft. I am really, really jazzed for it. Ow! Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. So uh, I think you'll enjoy today's podcast. I pretty much just dig deep. Um, uh, please, as always, let me know if you have any comments or concerns or questions. Email me at samsportsstation at gmail.com, S-M-A-S-S-P-O-R-T-S-S-T-A-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. It's real easy. Also, like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter, SmithFaceJones. And, uh, you know, um, let me know what you think. Let me know if you like it. Let me know if you don't like it. All right. I'm going to be I'm going to shut up. I'm going to be quiet. Here we are. Fantasy football wide receiver rankings. This is a nice way to uh, cap off my 60th podcast. That's right. Number 60 coming at you right now. Okay, we are going to continue with my uh, fantasy football rankings breakdown. Uh, as you remember from last week, I went through the uh, top 20 ranked uh, running backs uh, in the, for this upcoming fantasy football season. I am going right to ESPN. I'm, pl- I'm ripping off Matthew Berry's rankings. The talented Mr. Uh, Roto, TMR himself. I'm just taking his rankings, working right off of them. Because I'm under, you know, the the umbrella of ESPN. So, you know, I'm, I'm a company man, as he would like to say. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, there's nothing wrong with, I guess, uh, you know, using the rankings of, a, of an associate of mine, if you will. An associate, I guess, uh, by brand only, but an associate nonetheless. Um... Also, you know, listen, some of these rankings, you know, we're all looking at the same picture and, you know, we're all kind of ranking the same crop of wide receivers. Uh, So, you know, listen, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. I'm probably just going to make some smaller adjustments here or there regarding some of his rankings. But I think that, you know, Matthew Berry's pretty good at this stuff. He's got a pretty good sense of where these rankings are. He's already done the legwork for me. He's already ranked you know, his top 110 wide receivers. I'm not going to go that deep. Um, But I want to at least jump into uh, the first 20 or so, see if I can also pick out some flyers that are deep in the list that you guys can really um, be mindful for, take a look out for, um, get yourself geared up for your fantasy football drafts. I know they're probably not going to be happening for another six weeks or so, but, you know, it's never too early to start talking football or fantasy football for that matter. Um... So I wanted to talk a little bit about the wide receivers, uh, give you some thoughts on what I think of each one of these uh, these uh, these guys and uh, who I think is uh, prime for a breakout. So number one wide receiver on the list this year, this year is not a surprise whatsoever. It's Antonio Brown, um, wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Antonio Brown, rather unique situation because this guy, in my mind as a fantasy football player, this guy has been the number one ranked wide receiver in my book for the last three or four seasons. Um, Numbers-wise, you know, receiving, he's off the charts. Volume, he's off the charts. He gets receptions like crazy. He's not a boomer bust guy like an A.J. Green or a Deshaun Jackson where they might rely on one 60-yard pass or one 70-yard touchdown catch for all of their, their day's worth of fantasy points. Antonio Brown 
is so heavily integrated into Ben Roethlisberger's offense that he's just going to be getting his no matter where he is. He's a possession receiver who's going to catch the ball and get a first down for three yards. He's also a guy who's going to go deep for 70 yards and catch a touchdown pass. Um, the thing that I don't like about Antonio Brown being ranked number one, and I completely agree with uh, Matthew Berry's ranking of having him at number one, is the fact that I always thought he was underrated the last couple of seasons. You know, I mean, when he was being as amazing as he's been over the last couple of years, you still had, you know, your Demarius Thomas and your Des Bryant ranked number one overall. And I'm just sitting there going, you know what? Have your fun. Do what you want to do. I'm going to go scoop up Antonio Brown and be a very, a very happy camper. Can't do it this time around. He was so good last year. Um, he absolute, There's a lot of people out there who are arguing that they should probably be taking Antonio Brown number one overall. And, you know, that's really a sign of the times. It's showing how much we're moving away from the, the running back dominating the first couple of picks in the draft and really kind of getting to a place where a wide receiver is that good, uh, has that much of an effect uh, on your ability to win fantasy games that Antonio Brown could be your de facto number one overall pick. And I can't argue with that. I mean, he is truly that good. Um, the difficult thing about this is, you know, every year you see someone produce as well as they're producing, you got to think about the fact, is there going to be a drop-off in the following season? Um, you know, is there going to be an injury issue? Thankfully, Antonio Brown's a guy who's really been able to uh, bounce back from injuries. Um, you know, he, he, he had to sit out that playoff game last year after, uh, after he got the concussion against the Bengals with that whole issue with, you remember it, that's what lost the Bengals, the playoff game when, you know, Pac-Man Jones and Joey Porter came out on the field, they started pushing each other around. He ends up getting a penalty that puts uh, the Steelers in field goal range. They kick the field goal, they win the game. Uh, but uh, Antonio Brown was not healthy enough to play in the playoff game against the Broncos the following week. Uh, however, he is still going to be a monster. I think he's the one thing you got to think about with Antonio Brown, and we saw this last season when Ben Roethlisberger didn't play, his numbers dipped. That was about the only time you saw Antonio Brown's numbers dip, and that brings up a very, very important discussion, which is going to come up as I go down this list. You got to know who the quarterback is for some of these receivers, because some of these receivers are amazing, but if they don't have anybody throwing them the ball, they're going to be forgotten. Uh, just ask uh, Demarius Thomas about that now that there's no quarterbacks at all in Denver. I mean, unless you count Mark Sanchez, the Sanchez himself as a quarterback. I don't think we count that guy as a quarterback. Um, so moving down the list, next on the list is Odell Beckham Jr., ODB. You know this guy is a monster. He came out here rookie year, um, you know, missed the first couple of games, and then was an absolute phenom. I mean, I really think Odell Beckham Jr., uh, wide receiver for the Giants is probably one of the closest things we've seen to Randy Moss, this kind of athlete who comes out and immediately within the first season is just leaving such a strong impact on the field. I think ODB is going to be fantastic. He's still in the same offensive scheme. He still has Eli Manning throwing him the ball. I think he's going to continue to be tenacious. That's a guy where, unlike Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown has been in the league a little bit longer. And, you know, little little footnote about Antonio Brown, Pittsburgh Steelers have him on a deal, okay, because they signed him to a pretty nice long-term deal about four or five seasons ago. And if you look at his contract now compared to the other top wide receivers in the league, Antonio Brown is kind of making, you know, nothing compared to some of the other big-name receivers. I can tell you right now, Des Bryant and Demarius Thomas are making much more money than Antonio Brown. But 
That's the Steelers. They were smart enough to lock him up in the deal. And you know what? I think Antonio Brown was going to scream for some for some more money this past offseason. But I think in the end, he was like, you know what? Let me not rock the boat. They treated me well. I'm going to treat them well. I'm going to go out and play out my contract, and I'll get paid. I know Pittsburgh's going to take care of me. But back to ODB. Odell Beckham Jr. is on the upswing. We've essentially seen, what, two seasons now? That's all we've seen of him, and he's a monster. He's getting better every year. I see ODB as definitely number two overall, maybe even number one overall. You could certainly make that argument. The only you know hesitancy I say about Antonio Brown is because Antonio Brown has been establishing this standard of excellence and you know sooner or later that that you know he's going to start trending downward a la Larry Fitzgerald you know inevitably all good things must come to an end and ODB is definitely going to be someone who you're going to want to look at for dynasty I think many people have already locked him up in dynasty but uh if you haven't go get him or trade for him but I definitely think ODB is going to be a monster he's going to produce this year he might be I mean he might end up putting up better numbers than Antonio Brown I'm just throwing that out there now Number three on the list is Julio Jones. And now we're going to get pretty deep in this list before we start getting to schlocky wide receivers. Julio Jones is amazing. You want to talk about a physical specimen? This guy is tall. This guy is fast. This guy jumps over people, gets the ball, and gets it for touchdowns. Now, he has had injury issues in the past, but I, I think he last season we, were, we saw that he was able to stay healthy. Um, last season we also saw that with the new coach brought in, um, I think it was Dan Quinn, the uh, the defensive coordinator uh, from the Seahawks Super Bowl team. He's now the head coach of the Falcons. Um, started out the season very positive and then really fell off a cliff after the first six weeks. But Julio Jones is still a monster. Um, I'm really curious to see who they're going to pit off of the other side of Julio Jones now that Roddy White has been jettisoned. I don't even think Roddy White's going to be in the league this season. Maybe he'll get picked up right before the start of the season. Um, but you're, they've essentially given Julio Jones the keys to the car. He's the only guy out there. There's no, he's the undisputed number one. And he's a guy who's kind of, you know, he's kind of defense proof. Like no matter who you put on him, he will find a way to get open or he'll find a way to catch the ball. He really is that kind of just monster athletic specimen. And I mean, I, I don't have any dispute with Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr. And Julio Jones as one, two, and three. That seems extremely appropriate to me. Um, anybody who's anybody's certainly going to want to have these guys as one of their wide receivers, and they're going to leave him there. I love all of them. I, I've never had Odell Beckham Jr. on my team, but I've certainly had Julio Jones on one of my teams before. These guys do not disappoint. Now, the fourth guy on the list is, is, is um, a great discussion topic, DeAndre Hopkins, who has now taken over as the number one wide receiver for the Houston Texans. Andre Johnson, bye-bye. He's gone. He was spent last season with the Colts. It was very forgettable. Now DeAndre Hopkins has thoroughly taken over. Number one, he impressed everybody last year by not just showing up and performing, but showing up and performing with a second consecutive season. I think the first couple of seasons, you know, with rookies, unless they're highly drafted, you don't really know what you're going to get out of them. And DeAndre Hopkins proved to be pretty valuable early on. And then as Andre Johnson disappeared, he became even more valuable. And we have to highlight this, and this discusses a little bit more about the value of uh, DeAndre Hopkins and what he can do. He had four different quarterbacks last season. The Houston Texans rotated through quarterbacks like musical chairs, man. They had Ryan Mallett. They had Brian Hoyer. They had Brandon Whedon. They had TJ Yates. And you know what? 
DeAndre Hopkins caught balls from all of them. Didn't matter who was throwing him the ball. He was able to catch it. He was able to get into the end zone. And if you want to go deep into ESPN's archives, you will find that Odell Beckham Jr. has this brilliant one-handed catch. We remember it. It was highlighted everywhere. Everybody talked about it. It was one of the most amazing things that anybody had ever – it was, you know, they started talking, is this the best catch that's ever in the history of football? Non-football fans were tuning in to be like, have you seen this catch by ODB? DeAndre Hopkins had a catch which rivaled Odell Beckham Jr.'s one-handed catch. It was a one-handed catch by DeAndre Hopkins in the middle of the field. It wasn't a touchdown. It was just a nice 60-yard reception, but it ended up being called back because I believe there was like a penalty on the offensive line for the Houston Texans, and the entire play didn't count. So because of that, we sort of, you know, sweep it under the rug and say, ah, it was a blown play. But when you go back to that highlight, it is an amazing one-handed catch by DeAndre Hopkins. This guy is also a physical specimen, and it doesn't matter who's throwing him the ball. He's the undisputed number one. I know uh, Houston brought in a couple of other younger wide receivers. They drafted Jalen Strong last year. They drafted Will Fuller this year. They're trying to restock that stable of wide receivers um, but DeAndre Hopkins is still the undisputed guy. Uh, I love him. I certainly think um, if I had DeAndre Hopkins as my number one receiver, you know, instead of Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, I'm going to live with that. He is certainly a guy who I think is underrated because he doesn't have the same kind of name recognition now as Odell Beckham and Julio Jones. But I mean, if you don't know, you should know because he's here and he's here to stay and he's going to be crushing crushing fantasy football numbers this year. That's my opinion. I don't think anybody's really going to argue with me. Now, next on the list is Des Bryant. So we saw cracks in the armor with Des Bryant. Last year, he clearly missed the majority of the season with that foot fracture. Um, He missed a chunk of training camp because he was holding out to get a nicer contract. So he comes to training camp. He doesn't get as much reps. He doesn't get much time with everybody. He goes into the regular season. He's not completely healthy because he's still sort of ailing a little bit. And then he gets hurt and he misses most of the year. So even after he got paid big money last year, for the first time in a while, he had a bit of a down year. Now, something you have to be mindful with Des Bryant also is he's a touchdown machine, but he's not always a numbers machine. He can be a guy who could have a couple of games in a row where he has three catches for 60 yards. And then all of a sudden he's a touchdown and you feel a little bit better about him. He's not a guy like Antonio Brown who's just going to you know, pile up these huge, huge numbers of 70 yards, 90 yards, 100 yards. Des Bryant can get there, but he's really more of a red zone target. Like he probably fits into the realm of a tight end a little bit more than a wide receiver. Now I'm not saying that he can't produce those numbers. But what I am saying is that you need to be mindful of the fact that if you look at his numbers, you're going to see, you're not going to see high levels of receiving yards. You're going to see high levels of touchdowns from Des Bryant, which can make him very fantasy viable. But you need to be mindful of that if you want him to be one of your key, reliable, number one wide receivers. Because he was that for one of my teams last year, and I think I inevitably had to drop him. He just he did not pan out. He wasn't playing, and when he was playing, he wasn't performing. Because then when he actually got back on the field, Tony Romo was hurt. This is a situation where, you know, with uh, Dallas's offense, he could not just go and catch the ball from whomever was throwing him the ball. I mean, in some regard, you certainly can absolutely put DeAndre Hopkins ahead of Des Bryant in that scenario. And I wouldn't, you know, I think people, you know, wouldn't argue with you too much. 
Uh, so Des Bryant, a little lower on my list. He's trending downward. I got to see another season of he and Tony Romo, you know, having some juicy chemistry and putting up some amazing numbers. As for me, I'm probably not going to draft him. When it comes time for me to draft a wide receiver, I'm probably going to look elsewhere. Now, the next guy on the list is Allen Robinson, wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is a very fascinating topic because A, he's he's this high on the list. He's number six on the list. This is ahead of A.J. Green. This is ahead of Brandon Marshall. This is ahead of Demarius Thomas. This is pretty high on the list. So He's a fascinating topic because it's been a long time, a very long time, since a Jacksonville Jaguar wide receiver has been ranked this high in fantasy football rankings. Uh, It's been a very long time since the Jaguars' offense has been fantasy relevant. However, Blake Bortles has pretty much arrived. You know, he had a rocky rookie year, but to his credit, Last year, his sophomore year, he progressed. He progressed, and it showed that the Jacksonville Jaguars are committed to a passing offense. They like to run the ball, but with Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns, who was also a bit of a surprise because Jaguars have drafted a couple other wide receivers who never panned out, not to mention Justin Blackman, who's suspended so many times he can't even stay on the field. Um, They finally kind of happened into Allen and Allen as these two stud wide receivers who have truly blossomed in the last couple of years. You know, two years ago, it was a little bit of like, is this really happening? Who's this Alan Hearns guy? And then last year it was, you know, and then last year they they showed up and now it was like, yo, Alan Robinson is an absolute dynamite stud who you're going to throw out there and be dependent upon. And now for years, Maurice Jones-Drew was the only viable offense for the Jaguars. So to see Allen Robinson this high up is pretty amazing. It's also telling you, like I said, a lot more about Blake Bortles and the passing offense. You know, he, he put up a lot of interceptions. He absolutely threw picks like they were going out of style. But Blake Bortles also can air the ball out. We learned last year that he's got a cannon for an arm. He can get it up in the air. He can get it downfield. And he can put up big numbers with touchdown passes. I mean, if you look at his numbers, 300-yard games, three-plus touchdown passes in a single game. I mean... Blake Bortles, you know, it might not have equated to wins, but from a fantasy football perspective, that entire Jaguars offense became much more relevant. I like Allen Robinson this high. Again, I feel like he's my Antonio Brown. He was a guy who I always would feel like, you know what? Everyone's underrating Allen Robinson. I'm going to go scoop him up. He's absolutely somebody to go scoop up. And I'm going to tell you right now, I would rank Allen Robinson higher than Des Bryant. I think he's a much more reliable wide receiver. I think he's going to get more uh, looks and more uh, targets um, with the Jacksonville Jaguars because I think they are going to throw the ball more than Tony Romo and the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys really, really, really want to be dependent upon that running game. They are a team that wants to run the ball. I mean, drafting Ezekiel Elliott number four overall is a dead giveaway, okay? So Des Bryant is certainly going to be a red zone target, but if you're talking about fantasy football numbers, you're talking about receptions, you're talking about yardage, you're talking about touchdowns, you're talking about winning your league, Allen Robinson's going to be ranked higher. So Allen Robinson, that is a very traditional name, very, you know, Allen and Robinson. You got to remember that. Got to think of it. Put it on your little list and put an asterisk next to it. I think that guy's really going to pop off. Now, next on the list is A.J. Green, wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, I've always had a bit of an issue with A.J. Green. I think he's a fantastic wide receiver. And again, it's hard to argue with the, with the top 10, top 20 wide receivers. All of these guys are studs. Um, but A.J. Green, uh, discussing more of the Bengals' offense and the offense that they play, 
A.J. Green has always been a bit of a boomer bust wide receiver. And I mentioned this earlier to Sean Jackson, and I said A.J. Green, there's somebody where as long as they get a 50-yard catch or a 60-yard catch, their entire day is worth it from a fantasy perspective. However, you're going to have many instances where A.J. Green has two catches for 15 yards. You're going to have a game where he has three catches for 23 yards because that 60-yard bomb pass, maybe Andy Dalton threw one or two of them to him in a single game, and, uh, you know, he either dropped one or Andy Dalton underthrew him or the defense was good, and all of a sudden those two or three opportunities he had to blow up and have a 100-yard game, they disappear. So you can't deny that A.J. Green could get a, could have a 200-yard receiving game at any given time, but he can also have a 20-yard receiving game at any given time. And some of these other wide receivers, you don't have that same fear. I don't feel like Julio Jones is going to have a two-catch, 12-yard receiving game. I mean, if he does, it's an anomaly. A.J. Green, it's a little bit more the norm, and that has to do with Andy Dalton. It has to do with how they run the offense there in Cincinnati. Um on the upside, something to trend uh, you know, upward for A.J. Green. And number one, he's an excellent player. That's something you got to give him credit for. He's, he's definitely young. He's got plenty of gas in the tank, and he hasn't had an awful lot of injury issues. Um, but all of the other wide receivers in Cincinnati have left. Marvin Jones is gone. Mohamed Sanu is gone. So now you've got A.J. Green working with some nobodies. Now, that probably means defenses are going to key, key in on him a little bit more. But that probably also means that maybe Andy Dalton's going to force him the ball more. Or maybe that means Tyler Eifert, which we're also learning he's not going to be healthy for the start of uh, the football season this year because he got injured in the Pro Bowl. I can't make that up. Um, but you're probably going to see Andy Dalton spreading the ball around more to other guys, you know, tight ends, things like that. But the fact that A.J. Green you know, doesn't have any other legitimate receivers on the other side, uh, you got to think about that. Now... Let's go further down the list. This is an interesting one, Jordy Nelson. So Jordy Nelson, brilliant, brilliant wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers, tore his ACL uh, in the preseason last year, missed all of last season, which was really devastating because Jordy Nelson, I like him. I think he's an amazing player. I would probably, if he never had the injury, and he actually did play last year, I would easily rank him ahead of Allen Robinson, Des Bryant, A.J. Green. But now you've got an injury situation. I'm a strong believer of an ACL injury. You cannot guarantee that someone can come back from an ACL injury in a year. Usually they're able to play, but they're not 100%. You can tell they can't run as fast. You can tell they can't cut as well. And then there's the psychological element. They just mentally, there's something going on mentally that's like they don't have the same confidence to cut the same way because they remember that feeling of that pop in their knee when they tried to cut and all of a sudden they crumpled to the ground and they couldn't get up. So I, I, Jordy Nelson, I love him. I would want, I would probably want to take him number one, you know, my number one wide receiver. I think I had him as my number one wide receiver two seasons ago, but with the ACL injury, even with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball and you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to throw the ball because that whole offense last year was really, really struggling without Jordy Nelson on the field. I just, I got to see more of the ACL. I can't guarantee that he's going to be 100% when he comes back. If I'm in that situation and Jordy Nelson is the wide receiver who I have to pick, I mean, I think he's good enough that I would roll the dice on him. 
But if I have another juicy wide receiver who's right there who I could pick up as an alternative, I'm probably going to do that. And that's just me. I'm somebody, you know, injuries, it's really difficult for me to buy into a guy coming back from an injury. I kind of need to see a little bit more before I just roll the dice and take the chance on him. Um, Jordy Nelson is just, he's too good to pass up. So it's hard to sort of rank him lower than number eight, but... I mean, if I'm in that scenario, I might go down a few more steps and try to pick someone who's a little bit deeper on the list. Now, number nine, Brandon Marshall, wide receiver for the New York Jets. Okay, this is an interesting discussion here because uh, I don't know. Okay, he was amazing last year for the Jets. He definitely was jettisoned by the Chicago Bears. And, you know, Brandon Marshall has had head case issues, okay? He, he, I believe he's got he's, he's bipolar or he's manic-depressant. Uh, he's something like that. He's clearly got some issues where he he has he has problems emotionally. Um, thank God it has not really ever hindered him from doing his job, but it has definitely burned his bridge with certain teams. And wh- whether they burned his bridge or not, they 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 were thankful to sort of like part ways with him. Chicago Bears were the last team to do that, and I thought he and Alshon Jeffrey made a heck of a tandem with Jay Cutler in Chicago, but. Probably from a money perspective, the Chicago Bears chose to cut him. They let Brandon Marshall go. Um, He signs with the New York Jets, or maybe they traded him. I can't remember. Either way, he goes to the Jets, and the Jets last year completely surprised everybody. Ryan Fitzpatrick takes over the job in training camp when Geno Smith gets his jaw broken by his teammate. So all of a sudden, instead of Geno Smith, you've got Ryan Fitzpatrick tossing the ball for the Jets. You've got Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall, who are thought to be either over the hill or, you know, overrated because they're no longer with the brilliant quarterbacks that they were with before. Well, everybody was shocked last year when Ryan Fitzpatrick made Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall two of the finest wide receivers in the league, not to mention two of the tastiest fantasy football pickups that anybody had. All right, this was this definitely worked out for me in one of my leagues because I picked up Brandon Marshall pretty deep in the draft, and little did anybody know that he was going to pan out to be a top 10 wide receiver. Now, Last year, he was definitely ranked very low going to a new team, just like coming back from an injury. Going to a new team is something else that gives me pause as well because you got new schemes, you got new coaches, it's all new people. You've got to get rhythm, you've got to get reps. There's no reason to think that the success from the prior franchise is just automatically going to translate to a new team. With the Jets and Brandon Marshall, it did. However, Okay, we don't know if Ryan Fitzpatrick's coming back. He is still unsigned. The man is still, he's still debating about contract stuff with the Jets. I don't know why the Jets won't just open up their checkbook and be done with this stuff, get everybody into training camp and get those reps together. Because now you put Geno Smith under center. Can Geno Smith get the ball to Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker like Ryan Fitzpatrick? And I can't even believe I'm, I'm giving that much credit to Ryan Fitzpatrick, but it's true. He played pretty darn well last year. He did what Ryan Fitzpatrick normally does which is he threw away the season in the last friggin' game in the last friggin' quarter. But, he, you know, throughout the course of the season, he played pretty well. But Brandon Marshall, you don't know who the quarterback's going to be. He's another year older. I think ranking him number nine is a little overrated. I, I would not put him that high. Next on the list is uh, Alshon Jeffrey and Mike Evans. I would put both of them ahead of Brandon Marshall, even though the numbers from last year put Brandon Marshall ahead of them, 
I think with the upward mobility, you know, you, you got to think about what these players are going to do this year, not what they did last year. You can just you can do your best to understand what they did last year and think about how it equates to this year. I don't think Brandon Marshall is going to replicate those numbers. And you go to the next guy on the list, Alshon Jeffrey. Talk about a guy who really had a lost season. He pretty much missed most of last season with an injury. Um, I haven't heard any reports on those injuries coming back. I'm hearing that he's he's 100%. He should be back. The only difference is he couldn't work out a long-term deal with the Bears, maybe because he had a lost season. You know, maybe all of a sudden, you know, it's like, listen, we're not as confident to give you, uh, you know, a $100 million contract when we just saw an entire season where you were gone. Um, so Alshon Jeffrey's definitely going to be playing on the franchise tag. Alshon Jeffrey's also the reason the Bears let Brandon Marshall go. Um, but Alshon Jeffrey's still very young, still has a lot of gas in the tank, uh, fast, big, uh, can catch the ball. He's got a little bit of a Julio Jones in him. He's just a huge, huge presence who is a serious physical specimen. Um, I think he's going to rebound. I think he will be back in action this year. I think he's going to rise up to be a top 10 wide receiver, probably push Brandon Marshall out of that range. Um, I'm very high on Alshon Jeffrey this year. I'm not high on the Bears offense. I, I think it's kind of forgettable. Or, well, not forgettable. It's just amazing to see them kind of go from a perennial defensive team to a bit of an offensive team. And I, I, you know, I look at when Mark Tressman was brought in as the coach. He really went offensive-minded there. And, uh, you know, listen, as, as, as forgettable and as disappointing as Jay Cutler can be, you know, I still think he's, he's a good enough quarterback that he can get the ball out there. He can throw some touchdown passes. I mean, there's worse quarterbacks to have in the NFL than Jay Cutler. And I think that from a fantasy perspective, you know, Chicago's probably going to be disappointing in the real NFL. But from a fantasy perspective, I think they're going to be pretty exciting. I think that Alshon Jeffrey's going to get his. Jay Cutler's going to get his. And um, I'm give a little sneak peek on one of my flyers, one of my uh, sleeper picks for this year. Um, Kevin White, the uh, rookie wide receiver for the Chicago Bears who was drafted last year and missed the entire season due to injuries. Um, he's going to be back uh, 100% playing on the opposite side with Alshon Jeffrey, and I think Kevin White could be a real stud. He could be someone that really, you know, you get Jay Cutler out there, Chicago's going to be throwing the ball everywhere. This is something to be mindful of. Whew, okay, we're only 10 guys into this list. I love it. I've been talking for like 30 minutes. Um, Mike Evans, now big, tall, wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Interesting couple of seasons because he had one year where, you know, his, his production, you know, was up and down in his rookie year, but it was definitely promising. You know, he's another one of the crop that came out of that Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, year where there was a lot of exciting young wide receivers. Now, last year, he played very well, but two things happened. Number one, he was injured. Uh, he missed at least the first three or four games of the season. Um, I know this because he was a wide receiver. He's number one wide receiver on one of my teams, and I was really counting on him. However, in the latter portion of the season, he did come back. He did show up, and he did have good games. Except, you know, he would have a game where he might have 11 catches, but he had two or three huge dropped catches that made the difference in the entire game. So I think Mike Evans got an interesting rap last year, but... He's big. He's physical. Um, you know, when you have him on the other side with Vincent Jackson, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to ride Vincent Jackson out for at least another season. Um, you know, whatever you say about Vincent Jackson, 
that's another sort of dangerous wide receiver that you have playing with Mike Evans. And that means Jameis Winston, who I think is probably going to, he's probably going to try to air the ball out a little bit more. I think he's going to definitely take advantage of his wide receivers more. I think Dirk Cutter is going to exploit that as much as possible. Um, offensive coordinator for the Bucks is now the head coach, uh, coach Dirk Cutter. I really think that he's going to, you know, Jamison is going to, uh, Jam- Jamison, Jameis Winston is definitely going to be more comfortable. And, you know, like I said, when you change teams, it's one thing. Well, it you know the the opposite is true. When you stay with everybody, when you have all the same people coming back together in the locker room, you've got that many more reps. You've got that much more familiarity. You know, it makes a difference. It makes a big difference in how everybody plays. And I think that uh, I think Mike Evans is definitely going to be trending upward this year. I would still again, I would put he and Alshon Jeffrey ahead of Brandon Marshall. Now, Sammy Watkins is number 12 on Matthew Berry's list, wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. I don't know about this, okay? I don't think Sammy Watkins is a bad wide receiver. I think he's a product of the scheme. You're playing with the Buffalo Bills. This is a team that is not really focused on a passing game, whereas the Jaguars you know, are moving towards airing the ball out. Rex Ryan and that Buffalo Bills team is not about airing the ball out. They're about running the ball. They're about Shady McCoy. They're about Carlos Williams. They're about defense. They're about hard hitting. When you're done playing the Bills and a Rex Ryan team, you should be bruised and limping when it's over. So the things that everyone's going to tell you about Sammy Watkins is how finally last year in the second half of the season, he finally showed up. He had monster games. He had 100-yard games. He had two touchdown games. He actually arrived and started to find some chemistry with Tyrod Taylor. I'm still skeptical, okay? I, I know everybody's been back there for a whole season. They've got Tyrod there. They've got Sammy Watkins there. But I still don't see Rex Ryan trying to make this a passing offense. I still don't see Rex Ryan exploiting, you know, the passing game like he should with some of the players and the talent he has. This is this is just, um, you know, it, it's like when they went and got Santonio Holmes on the New York Jets to go play with uh, Mark Sanchez. The thinking was the quarterback isn't that impressive, but if you put an amazing, talented wide receiver around him, you know, he will benefit from it. And I get that. It's the same logic with the Buffalo Bills. They traded up to get Sammy Watkins. I'm just, he's too inconsistent for my blood. At least what I've seen so far. I've seen two solid seasons, and I've seen inconsistency from Sammy Watkins. He's not going to be the guy I take. You can take him. You can roll the dice with him. Have fun. He's not going to be my pick. Moving on. Um... Okay, Uh, Brandon Cooks, the uh, younger wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints, he was pretty exciting and explosive with Drew Brees. You know, however, he fits into this category that I have with the Saints wide receivers. Drew Brees, when you have a quarterback who is so good, you know, and this happens with Tom Brady, this happened with Peyton Manning as well during his days with the Colts, um... And also, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other quarterbacks who do this a lot. Drew Brees does it a lot. Um, I want to say maybe maybe Phillip Rivers as well. When the quarterback is so good, they truly function like an honest-to-gosh quarterback, and they throw the ball to whoever is open, which means there is no telling who's going to have a big game on every given day. All right, Tom Brady, you don't know that his number one wide receiver is going to have a great day, okay? Um Drew Brees, you don't know that his number one wide receiver is going to have a good day. Atlanta Falcons, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, nine times out of ten, he's throwing the ball to Julio. You're, you're, he's, nine times out of ten, he's throwing the ball to Julio Jones. You know it. It's happening. That's who he's going to. And if he's not going to Julio Jones, he's trying to get it to Julio Jones. Drew Brees, 
He could be thrown to Ben Watson. He could be thrown to Willie Sneed. He could be thrown to Josh Hill. He could be thrown to the running back. You, you don't know who's, who's going to get the ball. So Brandon Cooks, you know, it's a little boomer bust. You know, he could show up one day and be fantastic. He could disappear the next day. Um, next on the list is Amari Cooper. Now, the Oakland Raiders, God bless them. Finally, have shown back up. They are fantasy relevant again. It's like the Jaguars. They've come back. Derek Carr is a legitimate quarterback. Only took him about 20 years to, or excuse me, uh, 15, uh, 16 years to find a quarterback since Rich Gannon uh, when they went to the Super Bowl in 2002. Now you got Derek Carr, who actually can throw the ball. Over the course of last year, he started to actually, you know, be uh, reliable, um, exciting. Uh, airing the ball out. He rejuvenated Michael Crabtree's career. Michael Crabtree became fantasy relevant again last year, and so did Amari Cooper. Now, Amari Cooper did disappear a little bit at the end of the season, and that's something you got to be mindful for because Derek Carr is, is also kind of one of these quarterbacks. I think he's a guy who you get him into a situation where he's just going to throw the ball to whoever's open. You know, he's not a strong enough of a quarterback where he's going to air it out to that guy. You know, Aaron Rodgers does that a lot too. The really good quarterbacks, it's like, listen, they're gonna go to who to the to the guy who's open. Although Aaron Rodgers tends to feed Randall Cobb and uh, Jordy Nelson more so than other people. Um, Amari Cooper, I like him. He's trending upward. I would probably put Amari Cooper ahead of Brandon Cooks and Sammy Watkins. I like those guys. Might even put Amari Cooper ahead of Brandon Marshall. But now you're walking the line. But Amari Cooper, fantastic rookie year. He's someone, you know what, if you're looking in Dynasty and he's not scooped up, go get him. I really, really like Amari Cooper. I don't. I think he's too low at number 14. Next on the list is Demarius Thomas. Now, Demarius Thomas is a guy, unlike DeAndre Hopkins, he's really suffered from having no quarterback. When Peyton Manning's arm disappeared and Brock Osweiler showed up, Demarius Thomas kind of became relegated to just a typical wide receiver. He wasn't getting the same, you know, numbers from a fantasy perspective. And truthfully, it was because, you know, they were double-teaming him. There was, there was much stronger defense on him, and the quarterback who was throwing him the ball couldn't get him the ball. And, uh, you know, it's not to say that he's not valuable and he's not an exciting player, but, you know, you take the quarterback away from Demarius Thomas, and a lot of the value goes with it as well. Um I don't know if I'm that high on Demarius Thomas because same discussion. We don't know who's going to be his quarterback. You know, is it going to be Mark Sanchez? Is it going to be Trevor Simeon? Is it going to be Paxton Lynch? I don't trust any of these guys to get Demarius Thomas the ball. I'm not that high on him. I would put Sammy Watkins and Brandon Cooks ahead of him, absolutely. I'm going to go deeper into the list because some of these players beneath Demarius Thomas, I'm going to rank ahead of him. Next on the list is Keenan Allen. I love, 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 love Keenan Allen, okay? Wide receiver for the San Diego Chargers. And let me tell you, Phillip Rivers, in my mind, is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL. Every year, they talk about trying to get rid of him. San Diego wants to move on from him. You know, it's just a shame that he's never been to a Super Bowl. He's, you know, he's been to like one AFC championship game. It's just, it's just sad because he's so, so good. I think he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. I love watching him play. Every year, I feel like he is an underrated quarterback. I feel like I can get – I am happy to have Phillip Rivers be my starting quarterback on my fantasy football team, and I feel like I can get him in the seventh round. No one's – no, never. They're never thinking of this guy. <sighs> anyway, talking about wide receivers, Keenan Allen was a force, force for Phillip Rivers and the Chargers last year. You know, he likes to feed Antonio Gates – he likes to feed Malcolm Floyd, although Malcolm Floyd's now retired. But I'm telling you, Keenan Allen, 
Since he has arrived, he is a target monster for Phillip Rivers. He feeds Keenan Allen the ball. Keenan Allen had a couple of 11-catch days. I think he had a 13-catch game. If you're talking PPR, whoo, Keenan Allen is going to be your best friend. I'm talking maybe number one wide receiver overall if you're talking PPR. It was just a real shame to see his season cut short last year after that injury. I think he lacerated his spleen, something awful like that, just terrible. But I love Keenan Allen. I think he's bound to bounce back. Um, I would rank him pretty high. He has had some inconsistency issues, which has, you know, for me as a fantasy fan, you know, has, has frustrated me at times. But I think uh, he's 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 due for a rebound. He's young, and he's playing with Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers is going to get him the ball and is going to make it worth his while. I would definitely rank Keenan Allen higher than Demarius Thomas, higher than Sammy Watkins, higher than Brandon Cooks. Um, you know, might even put him higher than Amari Cooper. That's that's how good I feel about Keenan Allen. Next on the list is T.Y. Hilton, receiver for the Indianapolis Colts. T.Y. Hilton is a bit of a boomer bust guy. He's kind of like a Des Bryant. You know, if he, if he, or well, not Des Bryant, but um, A.J. Green. If he doesn't get his one sixty-yard catch in a single game. You know, th- there's no reason to think he's going to have a viable fantasy day at all. And, uh, you know, he also had a lost season last year because of quarterbacks. This is another guy who suffered from a lack of quarterback this uh, last year. Luck is coming back. You can feel good about T.Y. Hilton. Um, I'd probably take T.Y. Hilton ahead of Demarius Thomas. Um, I'd probably take T.Y. Hilton maybe even ahead of Brandon Cooks. But that's about it. Um I'm a little skeptical. That's also another situation where you got to be mindful of the other players on the team. Dante Moncrief is going to get his. Philip Dorsett's going to get his. Dwayne Allen, the tight end with the Colts, is going to get his. Um, T.Y. Hilton, this is where you start to really, it's, it's touch and go with some of these guys. Now, Kelvin Benjamin, coming back from a torn ACL uh, in the preseason, missed all of last year. He's played one season with the Carolina Panthers and sadly had to miss all of last year where they went to the Super Bowl. That must have really hurt. I, I hope uh, I feel bad when players you know, have to watch their team go to a Super Bowl, and they're sitting there just going, damn, if I was just a little bit healthier, I'd be out on that field right now. Kelvin Benjamin, I think he's ranked a little high. Again, he's coming back from an ACL tear. You don't know what to make of it yet. Um, and, uh, and, and, and the offense, the offense for the Carolina Panthers, they are not a passing offense. They did some amazing stuff last year, you know, catching the ball with Jericho Cotchery and Ted Ginn Jr. And, you know, Devin Funchess and everything. And, you know, they did the best they could, but they're a running team. Everything is predicated on Cam Newton. So you've got Kelvin Benjamin, who's absolutely a talent and he's going to be playing, uh, but he just missed a whole season due to an ACL, and he's coming back to an offense that isn't really focused on the passing game. I think Kelvin Benjamin's ranked just a little too high, just a little too high. Um, I'd put Demarius Thomas, you know, T.Y. Hilton. I'd put some of these other, These guys are definitely ahead of, uh, of, of Kelvin Benjamin. Now, next on the list is Julian Edelman, um, the PPR monster for the New England Patriots. This is the first Patriot wide receiver we've seen on here. He's definitely been a favorite of Tom Brady. Um, there's nothing wrong with this pick whatsoever. Even if Tom Brady's not going to be playing for the first four weeks of the season, I think he's still going to be a focal point even for Jimmy Garoppolo. I love Julian Edelman. From a PPR perspective, he's even better. He's up there with like Keenan Allen and some of these other guys. He's going to get receptions like crazy. Um, I definitely think Julian Edelman's probably ranked higher than Kelvin Benjamin and T.Y. Hilton and Demarius Thomas, if you ask me, and Brandon Cooks. I would take Julian Edelman higher than all of these guys. Actually, I don't even know why he's this low on the list. Matthew Berry, what are you doing, man? Now, number 20 on the list, before I start throwing out some uh, some exciting names to look for, 
uh, is Doug Baldwin. So Doug Baldwin had pretty much been, you know, kind of a waiver wire pickup wide receiver for the Seahawks until Russell Wilson turned him, you know, became one of the greatest passing quarterbacks of this, you know, of the second half last year. Last year, Russell Wilson went from a running quarterback who didn't particularly throw the ball that much to airing the ball out left and right and Doug Baldwin having like multiple three touchdown games. I mean, it was amazing to see the, you know, the escalation of Doug Baldwin like that. I kind of see a bit of a regression. I'm seeing a regression with Doug Baldwin. I'm going to rank him lower. I'm going to go down on this list with Doug Baldwin. I'm not as high on the Seahawks. I think they're going to come back out next year and kind of go back to business as usual. They're going to go back to running the ball. They're going to throw the ball when they can. I think you'll see some improved aerial offense from Russell Wilson and their wide receivers, but I don't think you're going to see the same production at Doug Baldwin as you saw last year. I just don't. And if it does, I think it's going to happen in patches. And I think, you know, he's going to burn some fantasy owners this year. That's that's just my thoughts on Doug Baldwin. I'm not that high on him. Now, let's go through some of these other big names. Let me try to point out some major ones that I see that are worth looking at. Jeremy Macklin, number 22. It's too low. This guy's a monster. I love him. Uh, never given enough credit, Jeremy Macklin. Um, and still probably the best wide receiver the Kansas City Chiefs have. Uh, Randall Cobb, number 23. Probably needs to be higher. I think his street cred went down last year after he had a bit of a poor season. But with Jordy Nelson back out on the field, Randall Cobb's going to be dangerous. Okay, Golden Tate. He is now officially the number one guy with the Detroit Lions. And whenever Megatron was not playing last year, Golden Tate came out and did a number on whatever team he was playing. I think he's very underrated. I think you got to seriously consider him as an option. Um... I, I really think Golden Tate is somebody who's going to pop off and be amazing this year. Uh, another big name to look for is Michael Crabtree. I think he's going to continue to blossom. And I think, again, he's just underrated from, you know, sort of being, you know, kind of having this this pinnacle of his career in San Francisco, then getting the injury and disappearing and coming to Oakland of all teams. I think enough people out there are still sort of like, is he really ready for prime time anymore? And I think you're going to have enough people out there in your draft who aren't going to be thinking of Michael Crabtree. You can go scoop him up, take advantage of that situation. Um, I mentioned Kevin White, the uh, the now the, the second year, although he's really a rookie wide receiver with the Chicago Bears. I think he's going to have a breakout. Um, another really, really deep name to be mindful of is uh, Kamar Aiken. He really stepped up and played amazing for the Baltimore Ravens last year after their wide receiver core was riddled with injuries. Um, I still think the wide receiver core for the Ravens is questionable. Steve Smith is coming back from an injury. Brashad Perriman is coming back from an injury. You know, they signed uh, Mike Wallace, although, you know, Mike Wallace without Ben Roethlisberger, I'm not really sold on that yet. I still think Kamar Aiken could be a fantastic possession receiver for the Ravens. Definitely a guy to keep on your radar. Um, of course, you're going to have your typicals, your Deshaun Jackson. He's boomer bust. Jordan Matthews, I think, is ranked a little low because right now there's no other number one you know, wide receiver with the Philadelphia Eagles. You're not going to be drafting Nelson Aguilar. You didn't know what to make of him the, you know, last year. I mean, this guy could be out of football in a season if he doesn't bounce back this year. But Jordan Matthews, very low on the list. You know, his production was up and down, which I think hurt fantasy owners last year, but he's the number one wide receiver on the Eagles. Doug Peterson, maybe he's not Chip Kelly, but he's definitely a quarterback's coach who's going to be focused on the offense, and he's going to be trying to throw the ball. 
Think about Jordan Matthews. You got to think about some of those Eagles. These guys are going to be real steals. If you're not if you're not paying attention, they can really pop off and be amazing. Definitely worth looking at. Um, I'm just thinking, who's the last? Ah, yes, the last name I will mention, and this is kind of a fan favorite of mine. I've always think I always thought he was a great wide receiver, produces very well, and is is eternally underrated. Stevie Johnson. Stevie Johnson came in last year with the San Diego Chargers and had some really good numbers. You know, sadly, he he had some injury issues. Um, I think he got pushed out of the rotation with San Diego. But this is a guy, you know, keep him on your radar because, listen, you know, when Keenan Allen got hurt and Antonio Gates wasn't playing that well, Stevie Johnson got a lot of looks from Phillip Rivers. And this is a guy, you know, again, it's an offense that passes the ball. When you're with offenses that really throw the ball, you got to be, you know, you have to you sort of like – you have to take a, you have to take advantage of those no-name wide receivers who are still on the offense. You know, Willie Sneed was a nobody until Drew Brees started throwing him the ball. Okay, you know, Randall Cobb was a nobody until Aaron Rodgers started throwing him the ball. So, some of these players, you got to keep them on your radar. Stevie Johnson, he's still a talented guy who's getting who's who's playing with Philip Rivers. That's you can't count that out ever. <sighs> okay, talked an awful lot about wide receiver. I think uh, let's let's finish shop for today. Um, those are my wide receiver breakdowns. I wanted to give a bit of an analysis on those top 20 guys, some of the other wide receivers to look for. Um, I'm going to be coming back with another segment soon. I'm going to be doing the quarterbacks. Quarterback is very deep this year. Uh, I'll have plenty to say about that. Uh, however, uh, for right now, we got to take a break. Um, thank you for listening. I'll be back soon. Uh, bye-bye.